You guys can be seated. Good morning. How's everybody? Good. Hey, can I get Jacqueline and Jocelyn? Will you stay up here real quick, please? <clears throat> so I've learned in my short existence as a pastor that I am horrible at being grateful for people. And there are two uh, staff members that God has blessed uh, Julie and I with, this church with, that have done an amazing job. And they have gone above and beyond every week to make Light Point what it is. And so they're going to go on vacation this next week. And um, so I'm excited for them. And along with that, um, I missed your one-year anniversary, and I'm sorry. But we're coming up on your one-year anniversary. So I thought, what better time to honor these two amazing ladies than with a gift card to Mitchell's. Hold on a minute. Sweet. Julie told me. Um, but you guys go pamper yourself on behalf of Light Point Church. We love you. We are grateful for you. So thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, what a treat. Yeah. And y'all have a great vacation. Don't get sunburned. <laughs> if you got your Bibles, go with me to... Um, 2 Corinthians, and we're going to wrap up our series called Reflect, and, and we entitled it Reflect God's Glory, and one of the things I asked you guys to do from the very, in our first time together, uh, the, one of the things that I asked you guys to do is write on a piece of paper that we provided for you, one of these specialty pieces of paper that came out that looked pretty, you know, like this. And one of the things I asked you guys to do is write the story, that one word that describes the story that you believe God is writing on your heart. Because we opened up our, our series with that, and one of the things that we said was there is a story that God is writing on our hearts for the sole purpose of, uh, it, of allowing his glory to shine into this world. And so when we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18, it says this, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. And so this is not something we hide. This is not something we cover up. This is something that we let shine into this world, this story that God is writing on our hearts. And it's not to be that we're to be ashamed of it. It's not that we're to cover it up or hide it anyway, but we're to, with unveiled faces, flip the veil off of our face and allow people to see that we belong to God and that he is writing a story on our hearts. And this reflection of this story, this reflection as it hits us, it reflects into this world, and it's a beautiful image. It reflects his promises, his faithfulness. It reflects who God is in all his holiness when we live out what he's called us to live out. And we allow him to write this story on our lives. And so right here behind me, you have a lot of these ones that I think a lot of us, a lot of times we hold on to these particular ones and, and Josh, will you hit the lights so we can see real quick? Thank you. And so if you look here, I think a lot of times we hold on to these ones that we, we kind of say, you know what? This defines the story of my life. And Jacqueline, you can sit down. We can just leave the lights off. They're not going to fall asleep. They've had a long weekend and had plenty of rest. We're good. So um, this is the story that I think a lot of times we, we, we live out, the story of guilt, 
or of bitterness or of anxiety or of fear. And this starts to define our lives. And I have to tell you that this is not the story that God is writing on your life. That's not who he, he wants you to be or what he wants to reflect into this world. But he wants this to be reflected into this world. And it's this story. And it may look like this. Thank you. Love, strength, comfort, joy, hope, acceptance, peace, power. These are the things that God wants to write on our hearts. These are the things that is define who he is or define a lot of about what God wants to do in our lives. And we miss out on this when we go back and we start saying, you know what? I'm going to allow guilt to define me or I'm going to allow shame or I'm going to allow bitterness or I'm going to allow all these other things to kind of define my life. And, and we miss out on what he has and we do not reflect his glory when we live and allow that story to shine in this world, but when we allow this story, or the one that you wrote on your piece of paper, for me, it was trust. For me, this is the story he continues to write day in and day out on my, uh, in my life is this story of trust, and the fact that my, my life needs to be a life that tr completely trusts in who the Father is, and I don't stray from it, and when things get tough and I don't understand things, I trust. When, when things are going well and I think I have it all under control, I go back to trusting him, and these are the things, this is the story that he continues to write over and over again when those moments come when I don't know how something's going to work out, and I start taking it into my own hands, and I start trying to do it my way, and I keep hearing this simple word, Chad, trust me. Chad, trust me. And that's the story that I believe he's writing on my life. And I see it more and more as I continue to walk with him and continue to draw close to him. And so we started out with this piece. And my, my encouragement to you or my challenge to you is to grab a word that defines the story that you need written on your heart or that you believe God is writing on your heart. And lean into it and start following that and start grabbing a hold of it. And so when we talk about God's glory, what do we mean by that? Oh, here's what we mean by it. And here's how we defined it. So God's glory is the radiance. Now when we think about radiance, we think about something that is just bright and that just shines and that just radiates um, of his holiness. The radiance of his manifold, infinite, worthy, and valuable perfections. There's no end, there's no beginning, it just, it's there. We cannot add to his holiness, we cannot take away from it. There's nothing we can do to define God, there's nothing that we can do to take away from who God is. God is God, he is holy, he is perfect, he is everything, and, that, and that's the piece that we have to come to understand, is that it, even regardless of who I am, it does not take away from who my God is. And so we go into this, and we've been walking through this, this series, and we've been looking at some things that that starts to help reflect God's glory into this world. And we looked at our relationship with him, and we looked at how the new covenant that he came when Jesus came, he provided this new covenant that said, you know what, it's no longer about rules and regulations, but it's about a relationship with the Father. And that's where it comes down to is this piece of our relationship with him. And when I draw into and I draw near to him and I start walking in that relationship, I realize that when that is right, then my relationship with the, with the Father, Father, with the Son, and the Holy Spirit reflect His glory in this world. Also know this, too, <clears throat> that my choices, that my choices reflect His glory. 
I'm, I have a, all these opportunities to make choices in today's world. And that by the choices that I make, whether they reflect God's glory or not, and I need to be wise in these choices. The next one is my attitude. And I think this is a hard for a lot of us because we, we, we get into this bad attitude. And what happens is, is we start allowing this story of bitterness to be written on our lives. And so we start having this attitude towards things. Because we don't like what's going on. Or we don't agree with what's going on. And so our attitude has the opportunity to reflect God's glory or not. And so I would ask this question. When's the last time we've had an attitude adjustment? That's a term my dad used to say a lot. You need an attitude adjustment. And it was usually followed by a foot. I'm just kidding. Um, Today, I want to hone in on something. And this, I, I, I truly, I know if we, we lean into this one, it starts to change how we see things, and it starts to change our lives. If I asked you, do you know what you truly believe about God? Do you know what you truly believe about God? And are you so grounded in that belief that there's nothing that can take, it, take anything away from that belief. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of times we say, and, and I, I fall into this, so a lot of times we say, you know what, I've got a faithful God that I can trust and all this, and then all of a sudden something happens, and, what ha- and something bad happens, and I'll use an example. Right now, our refrigerator in our house is, is temperamental. In other words, the ice maker in it, probably like a lot of your guys's, maybe not, but ours is, it only wants to operate when it feels like it. And so that means when the ice machine is low and we go to fill up, and, and by the way, if you don't know this about me, I sweat a lot, and so having ice water is very important in my house. So this is a personal thing for me. And so one of the things is, is this ice machine drives me nuts. Because it doesn't operate the way I think it should operate, which is all the time filling that ice bucket. And so what happens is, is the ice gets low, and then we have to, and then also dawns on us, we've got to do something about it. So Julie found a fix, and here's the fix to the ice machine. If you shake the bucket real hard and you hit the ice tray real hard, then all of a sudden it starts operating. Now, I have no idea how this works, I just know that it does. So what I did do is I went in there and I shook the bucket real hard and I started beating on the thing, maybe a little too hard, but the sucker worked. My wonderful wife doesn't like that the ice machine works this way, but I start getting frustrated. I start allowing something as simple as a a broken ice machine or the fact that this thing's not working correctly to start questioning things. And I know some of you may not be this petty about your walk with Jesus, but sometimes things get to me, and I start getting frustrated. You may be different than me, and that's fine, but I do know that there are certain things that we get to, whether it's the way a relationship's going, whether it's the way a job's going, whether it's the way our finances are going, whether it's the way um, our car's running, or whether it's the way you name it, there's certain things that affect each of us that we'll start to say, you know what? I'm getting tired, I'm getting frustrated. And it starts to bring us to a point of wanting to, to just be like, I'm done. 
And if you don't believe me, let's talk about this. When we start leading out in a ministry or we start trying to follow Jesus and really walk closely with him and we start to do something, we step out in faith and we step out in faith and then all of a sudden our expectations of what was supposed to happen doesn't happen and we get frustrated and not enough people show up or not enough people uh, put their hand in the bucket or not enough people come and, and help out. One of the things that's very common is this for us to say, well, this must not be what God intended, so I'll just throw in the towel. And that's not true at all. As we walk this out, as we continue to draw into him, my belief in who God is will help me, help drive me to be faithful, will help drive me to lean into him, will help drive me to say, you know what, it doesn't matter how other people respond, what matters is how I respond to what God's, what God's doing in my life. It doesn't matter if things work out the way I've, I've pictured them in my head. It doesn't matter if things work out the way that I want them to. What matters is that God is using me, and as long as he's using me, I'm in the right place. And as long as I'm walking with him, and things, that, that, that becomes, then things start working out the way he wants, not necessarily the way I want. And so I don't give up because I'm right where he wants me, right in his hands. And my belief is that he's holding me. And it's because of that belief that I continue to go. And it's interesting that just the right moments when we're at our most frustrated, God shows up. Excuse me. He's always there. But God starts answering prayer. I got a call this week from a, a buddy. And he goes, Chad, we just moved into a house. And he goes, my wife doesn't like the refrigerator. <clears throat> and he shows me a picture of it. He goes, do you want it? It's yours if you want it. I looked at the picture. It's a KitchenAid refrigerator. It matches the new dishwasher we just bought. And my response was, does the ice machine work? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. He goes, it's brand new, brand new refrigerator. He goes, it's yours. All you got to do is come get it. See why this is the story of my life? Because just at the right time, God shows up. That's as, as silly as a refrigerator. But I can give you story after story of when we're walking closely with God, how he shows up, how he continues to show up time and time again if we do not give up. Here's what I know about this amazing church, is that there's so many of you that give um, your time, you give your energy, you, give, you show up, you help set up, you help do all these things. You serve in the kids' area, you serve on these different things. And, and we're getting to this busy season of May where people are tired and there's just a lot going on. And, and here's the thing that I know is that if we just lean into him and allow him to strengthen us and we, we walk in his strength, that he'll empower us and he'll give us exactly what we need to continue to do what he's called us to do if we do not give up. And so for all of you that show up early to set up and for all of you that stay late to tear down and for all of you that make a phone call or that pour in or lead a group or that do anything that, that is, is pouring into somebody in this church that's helping God write the story on their lives, thank you. And my promise is this, is that, when, that God's promise is this, is that if we lean into him and rely on his strength, he will sustain us. His word also says that if we don't give up, if we don't give up, we talked about this last week, if our attitude is not one of giving up, if we do not give up, he'll bring about something amazing in the end. 
And that's the God I serve. That's what I believe. That's what I believe about my God. That there are so many times we get to this point in life to where it's like, what are we doing or what's going on or I'm frustrated or whatever. And I get, you get to this point of exhaustion and he goes, I got you right where I want you. Now let me fill you with my strength and let me sustain you. And it only happens when we lean into him. And so we get to this point. This is, and see, this is a story that he's writing on our lives. This is the piece that he wants us to get. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 to 18, it reads this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying about in the body of the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that we, that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed Day by day. For momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And I love this passage as we close out this, this series called Reflect. Because what I believe, what I choose to hold on tight to, what I choose to, to not waver on, and I stick a stake in the ground and said, this is what I believe, and it doesn't matter what happens, it doesn't matter what takes place in this world or what happens to me, I will choose to believe this can totally have a chance to reflect God's glory in this world. When I start wavering and when I start doing all this other stuff and I don't stick and put that stake in the ground and hold on to it, it has a hard time of reflecting the glory of God. But what I choose to believe, what I choose to hold on to, what I set in my heart about who God is will allow me in the rough times and in the good times to go back to who he is and what I believe about him. So belief what do we want to say about that? Belief is this. It's trust, faith, or confidence in someone or something. Something one accepts as true or real. Firmly hold an opinion or a conviction. See, our belief is something we hold on to. It's a conviction. It's something that we're going to grab a hold of. And so here's, here's some things we can gain from this passage we just read. 
The first thing that in order for the one thing that I know that I need to believe in in this world is this, my belief in God's power. That we have a powerful God that is capable of doing far more than we could imagine. We have a God that's power is not limited by us or by our thoughts or by anybody's thoughts. We have a God that is powerful. So if you're sitting in a situation right now wondering if God's powerful enough to solve it or show up and take care of it, if you hold on to this, thing, this belief that his power is limitless and that it doesn't matter anybody else's opinion, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or whatever, that he is a powerful God and he can answer and show up at just the right time that is needed. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says this, but we have this treasure in earthen, earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. And Paul is finishing up this chapter, or finishing, is going into this piece where he's talking about, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and this treasure that he's talking about is this light that shines. This light that shines into this world that, we, that he allows us as we live out his, who he is, this, this piece that says, you know what, we have a light to shine into this world. And this light is powerful. If you think about some of the things that light does, it brings it, it illuminates an area, a room, or it illuminates the darkness that exists. And so what happens is there's power in that. And within us, these earthen vessels that Paul's talking about, within us there is this power of God that exists that can light up a dark world. That as we live out who he says or what he tells us to live out, as we follow him, as we, we give our lives to him, as we continue day after day to devote our lives and our time and our energy to him, that his light shines through us when we love the way he tells us to love, when we trust the way he tells us to trust, when we walk the way he tells us to walk, when we lean into him and we rely on him, that light shines into this world when we stand on his truth. And not the truth of this world. His light shines into this dark world. It is powerful. And it gets to this point where Paul says this. So we have so this, this, this treasure. And it goes on. It says, so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be on God and not from ourselves. And so the dependence is on God, not on me. See, we have a powerful God that his, his power is not dependent on what I'm capable of or how strong I think I am. But his power is, is exactly who, what he says it is. And he can sustain us and show up. In 1 Corinthians 2, 5, it says this, so that your faith, talk about our faith, our belief, what, what, what we stand on, our faith would not rest would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Where's our faith, our belief stand in? We, have a, we live in a world right now where people know far more than they've ever known. At the minute of a, a touch of a screen, we can gain any information that we want. Right now, you can go to your phone and see if I'm really reading Scripture or not. Or if I bring up something, you can actually go to your phone and figure out if someone's telling the truth or not. We have more knowledge at the palm of our hand than anybody in history. And we can Google questions, we can Google anything we want, and we can find out what we need to find out. And that is powerful. 
That's amazing right now. But scripture tells us that the power of God, our faith, would not rest on our knowledge or the knowledge of somebody else, but on the power of God. And so does my belief in the power of God drive me? Does my belief in my faith in the power of God allow me to go through the hard times? Does my belief in power of God bring me hope? Does my belief in the power of God, is that the peace that sustains me in the most greatest moments and the most darkest moments? And see, that is within me when I belong to him. That my faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. The second belief that I need to have is this. I need to believe that God's in God's faithfulness. See, when I believe in his power, I know he'll sustain me. I know that he can accomplish anything. That he can, and see, it's not about, and so I, I, I believe in that power. The second thing I need to believe in is his faithfulness. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 14, read this. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. And I want us to catch this. So many times, so many of us sit in this place of being afflicted. And we think that being afflicted defines who we are. We're like, yep, I'm afflicted. That's my story. I'm afflicted. That's what's got me down. But see, so we don't have to stay there. That's not the peace that he says, I want you to stay. I don't want you to stay in this, this season or this place of affliction. I want you to realize that you may be afflicted right now, but here's the thing, but you're not crushed. You're not crushed. It's not over. He goes on and he says this, you may be perplexed, but not despairing. You may be persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not. That's, that's, that's what God's trying to get us to understand. Is you may stumble and you may fall, but it's not over. He is faithful. You may be in the season of being afflicted or being, being beat down. Or you may be in the season of not knowing what's going on and hurt and all of this stuff. But there's always another part of the story that we got to grab onto. And the other part of the story we got to grab onto is his faithfulness. And that the fact that we have a faithful God. And he goes struck down but not destroyed. In other words, if I'm not destroyed, I can keep going. If I'm, just, if, I, if I'm persecuted but not forsaken, guess what? He's still there in the midst of all of it. I may be perplexed, but I'm not despairing. He's there. I may be afflicted, but I'm not crushed. No one's put their hand, foot on me and crushed me. I can still live out what he's called. He goes always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus. Talking about the sacrifice that Jesus made. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. And I want us to understand this word manifest. And we've talked about it many a times. But if you missed it, manifest is this thing that grows in. It's this word that means it grows and comes out. It manifests. It comes out of us. It comes out of our inner being. It comes out of who we are. And so when, we, when the Jesus talks about his life manifesting out of us, it's coming out of us because of what's in here. It comes out of us because of my choices. It comes out of us because of my attitude. It comes out of, out of me because of, of what I believe. 
And when I start to truly believe that he is powerful and I start to truly believe that he is faithful, the life of Jesus and who he is starts coming out of me because we have a faithful Savior. And that's the piece we need to grab a hold of, is that what I believe will manifest itself out of me. You don't believe me? You ready? Watch this. How many of you have gotten mad at somebody this week? For all you don't have your hands up, thank you. And I didn't have to say it. When, well, this still happens. I was going to say in the past, this still happens. So when, I know this is hard to believe, but Julie and I sometimes don't agree on everything. It's true. I know, you think that the wonderful wife that she is, that she would just say, oh, absolutely, Chad, that sounds great. It doesn't always happen. There used to be a time, that we, we've got this Labradoodle at home, and he's an amazing dog, and there used to be a time that he wasn't so amazing. And that was when we had little kids. And there was a repeated amount of times when I would get this phone call, especially when the babies were little, I would get this phone call that would say, you need to find some place for this dog to go. And I'm like, no. That dog's the only one with its tail wagging when I walk through the door. That's the only one that smiles at me when I walk through the door. I'm not getting rid of him. I love that thing. It's wonderful. Anyway, what would happen is, is I'd get this phone call, and I would be like, okay, I hear you. All right, let's calm down. I understand he barked at the mailman and woke the kids up. And, you know, I don't know if that justifies getting rid of a dog. But anyway, so some of you may be like, yeah, that dog's out the door. See you, whatever. I love animals. So we're sitting there, and, and we'd get to this point, and, and so I'd get this phone call, and I'd be on my way home. And this is just how twisted I am. I would have about five arguments with Julie on the ride home. It was about a 20-minute drive, and I could, I'd have five arguments with her, and I would, I would win every one. You know it was fantasy because I won every one. So anyway, I would, I would, and then I would walk into the house believing that she was going to unload on me, believing that she was mad at me, believing that she was frustrated at me. And so I would walk into the home raring to go, ready for the fight, the five of them that already won. Because I already played them out. You never notice that things don't play out the same way in your head. There's a trick there. Anyway, so I'd walk in knowing that this is what's going to happen. Believing that this is what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden I get greeted with a hug and a kiss. And not from the dog. See, my belief was and the anxiety and the anger and everything else was based off of a false belief. And because of that false belief, I was ready to unload on a wife that didn't deserve to be unloaded on. See, we get mad at people and we start believing something about them. We start believing that whatever it is, they're lazy. We start believing that they're incompetent. We start believing that they don't know what they're doing, that they're mean, whatever. We start this belief, and we start writing this narrative in our head about them. We start going on and on, and this belief about them starts to dictate how we treat them. Our beliefs are so powerful because they start to dictate how we start treating other people. 
And I, I bring this up in this, in the, right now to let us understand that my belief about who God is and his faithfulness will determine whether I continue to walk with him or not. My belief in who he is, my belief, my core belief of what I let sit here and in my mind will, will dictate how I walk out my faith and whether I believe he's faithful whether those difficult times will actually be there or not, or I'll be able to get through them or not. He goes on, he says, so this idea that my, and so we come back to my belief in God's faithfulness. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, again, coming back to our faith and what we believe in, but having the same spirit of faith, Paul is writing this to, to the, the church of Corinth, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. See, he had this belief in who God was. He had this belief that God was who he says he was. He had this belief that God was faithful. He had this belief that said, you know what? I may be down right now. I may be struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I may, be, I may be afflicted, but I'm not crushed. And so he had this belief. He had this belief that God is who he says he is, that God shows up when he says he's going to show up. God is there, and he never leaves us. He doesn't forsake us. And he goes on, he says, I believed, therefore I spoke. And he goes on, he says, we also believe, therefore we also speak. And so my question to us today is, is what are we speaking what are we speaking? Do we speak of God's faithfulness in this world? Or do we speak about a God that is not faithful? Do we speak about a God that, 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 uh, that knows that we're afflicted but in a lot doesn't allow us to be crushed? Do we speak about a God who is so faithful that even though we get struck down or knocked down, we are not destroyed? See, Paul goes to say, we also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. And he goes on, he says, listen to the faithfulness of God. God did not let Jesus stay in the grave, but he allowed him to walk out. He was faithful to what he said. He was faithful to the promises. And see, when we know the one who raised Jesus, when we know that one and knowing that he's also going to give us victory, then it allows us to see who, how truly faithful our God is. And my belief is in a faithful God. Romans 8, 35 to 37, read this. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. See, he is a faithful God. And he brings about victory regardless of what's going on. He brings about what he wants regardless of what we're, we're going through. And he is faithful. And so do I believe that he is faithful even in those moments. The next thing I need to understand about God or believe in God is that God has a purpose. My belief in God is in God's purpose, not in, in my life. And so it goes on to say this, for all things are for your sake, 
sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. What would it look like if we really started believing that our God is powerful and that our God is faithful and we really started walking with him? We really started leaning into who he is and we really started taking our walk with Jesus seriously. And rather than try to figure out what what my purpose in life is rather than what God's purpose is, Maybe if I started just saying, you know what, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What's your purpose for my life? See, this is not a career decision. This is not about me changing a career. See, we get this mixed up a lot of times. A lot of times we talk about purpose and people say, well, do I need a new career? No, you don't need a new career. What what needs to happen is this. is right where God has you planted. Right where he has you, whether you're um, pouring into your kids at, at home, whether you're working uh, your 60 hours a week, or whether you're working whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing with your week, whatever you're doing with your life, wherever he has you at this particular time, he has a purpose for you right in those moments. And so you could be teaching, you could be uh, helping run a business. You could be doing whatever it is, sitting with people, listening to them. You could be pouring into kids. You could be volunteering at schools. You could be doing whatever it is that, that's going on in your life. There's a purpose that God has for you right in those moments. You could be retired and enjoying the good life, and God still has a purpose for you. Do you believe in God's purpose? And here's what it comes down to. For all things are for your sakes. In other words, he's talking, Paul's writing or telling the the church of Corinth, all things are for your sakes so that you can see it's for your benefit. So that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to be abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. And here's the purpose that we need to understand is this is that God's grace needs to flow out of us. Wherever we're at, the grace of God needs to come out of us. We don't need to hold on to it. We don't need to hide it. We need to allow it to flow out of us in the interactions we have. We need to allow it to come out of us because that's his purpose for our lives. So whatever we're doing or whatever we're interacting with, the question I have in all of this is his grace flowing out of us. Is what he's done in my life, the grace that he's shown me, the forgiveness that he's shown me, the mercy that he's shown me, that peace that he's given to me, is it flowing out of my life so that it goes from one to the next to the next? And so when I start realizing that that's his purpose for my life, is that no matter where I'm at, it's for that to come out of me, that to flow out of me. 
I come back and I rest on this fact that the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. It's, it's so important that we understand that the spreading of God's grace to more and more people, people causes that people are thankful for what Jesus has. And it abounds to the glory of God. And that's one of the things we have to lean into is that when we talk about the glory of God, it's got to appear into this world. And it appears into this world when it flows out of us because that's who he has had planned for it to happen. And he goes on, he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We don't have to question the purpose. We don't have to question why he has us. We don't lose heart over that. But through, though our outer man is decaying, in other words, Paul's saying, even though you're getting old and you don't like it, even though you're getting old and you don't like it, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. doesn't matter how many gray hairs you got. doesn't matter. I know some of us are like, Chad, you haven't seen my head lately. There's a lot of gray up there. Get a close look. I'll show you some gray hairs. doesn't matter. See, he still has us here. He has a purpose for our lives. So I don't have to worry about what, what, this, what the outer man, because I'm, going, I'm getting older. There comes a day when this body will stop working. What matters is this. What's going on in here? What's he doing inside? How's he changing my heart? How's he changing my life? How's he transforming me into the image of his son? That's the piece that matters. That's the piece that matters because that's his purpose. I love this verse in 828 of Romans. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. If his purpose is for his grace to flow out of me, if his purpose is for his glory to reflect off of me, and the grace that's just coming out of me, the what I've received is to come out. If that's his purpose in life, then guess what? No matter what I'm going through right now, no matter the conflict, no matter the struggle, no matter what it is, he's working it all for his good. And I can trust it. Because I know he's powerful and he can handle it. And I know he's faithful and he'll show up. And I know he has a purpose for my life, and I need to live it out wherever I'm at. And lastly, I need to get rid of my perspective and what I believe about myself, about others, and I need to start believing in God's perspective. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 to 18 says this, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory Far beyond all comparison. Have you ever noticed that it's in affliction or in conflict or in struggles or in difficult times that God really starts breaking us and molding us into who he wants us to be? Have you ever noticed that? That a lot of times it's not the good times in life that he, he uses to bring about something, but it's the struggles, it's all these other things that he uses. And so he says this, for momentary, in other words, it's not lasting it doesn't go on and on. It's, it's in the moment. It will pass. 
for momentary light affliction is producing for us an internal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And he goes on, while we look not at the things which are seen. In other words, I don't look at it from my perspective because let's be honest, my perspective is actually limited to what I can see. My perspective is limited to what my earthly mind, what my human mind can actually perceive or see in this world. So I don't look at that. See, I've got a God that's got a perspective that I've got I to gotta lean into. It says, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are not are seen are temporal. In other words, they come to an end. But the things which are not seen are eternal. It goes on and on. And so I have to ask myself, do I believe in God's perspective rather than mine? Do I believe that what his word actually says is that I need to stop looking for what I can see and start trusting for what God sees and what's eternal and what's there in his perspective and things? It changes things for me. It gives me a different attitude. It gives me a different outlook on life. Is that here's the thing that I need to understand is I look so much at the here and now and I make so many decisions on what's best for now and I don't make decisions based on what's good for eternity. Because if I made decisions on what's best for eternity, I would start living a life that allows his glory to flow out of me. And I'd start living a life that shines the light of Jesus into this dark and hurting world. And I'd start living a life that allows grace to flow out of me so that it abounds more and more and more to people around me. My life would look different. I would start looking at it's not about the here and now, but it's about this eternal viewpoint that God brings to the table that says it's more than just about here, but it's about now and forever. And what's our perspective? In 1 Peter 5, 9 to 10, he says this. But resist him, talking about Satan. Firm in your faith, firm in your belief, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, will himself perfect, Confirm, strengthen, and establish you. See, we have a God that has a different perspective. He knows that you're suffering and that all this stuff you're going through is not forever. Because there's a point when we'll be, we'll be made perfect. And that point is when we see Jesus in heaven. There's a point where we'll be brought to completion. And that is when we stand before God in heaven. And we can't see it now. It is unseen right now, but it is his plan for our lives. And when we start leaning into that and we start realizing that we have a God that has a different way of seeing things, we can lean into it and allow him to change our lives. And when he changes our lives, his glory flows out of it. And when his glory flows and reflects out of it, our world starts to see who a holy God is. And our world starts changing. And so wherever he has you planted right now, what is your belief about him? What do you believe? Do you believe that he's powerful? Do you believe that he's faithful? Are those the things that we hold on to? 
Do you believe in his purpose for your life? And are you believing in his perspective rather than your others, than your own? And when we really start to have faith and belief in who he is and what he brings to the table and what he is, who God is in our lives, it starts to change things. And the one thing it changes is my life. And out of that, his glory is reflected into this world. And that's what he wants for us. Let's pray. Father God, I love you and I praise you. I thank you for today. I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us today. I pray, Father, that as as we remember um, those that um, have made sacrifices, friends, family members, uh, people we've served with, Lord, I, I pray that we would remember who you are and remember what you did for us by giving your son and by Jesus giving his life for us and Lord that it wasn't just his life that was given but that what was shown was your power by bringing him back to life and because of him conquering death that power that, that, that was used in that moment Lord, we can believe in that, knowing that you're all-powerful and nothing can limit you. Lord, that you allow us to go through struggles, and yet as we go through struggles, it's not over, Father. Those are, temp- those are temporary deals because you are faithful and you are there all the time with us. And Lord, the purpose that you have for our lives, that your grace may come out of us your grace may be seen in this world because of who we are and who we belong to. And Lord, that our perspective doesn't belong to us, but Lord, we believe in your perspective and the way you see things. I pray, Father, that we would start to change what we truly believe about you, that we would start to allow you to transform our beliefs, that we would see you for who you are, not for who we think you should be. And when we believe that, Father, when we believe in who you are, Lord, your glory shines in this world. Lord, help us to walk that out. Help us to hold on to it. Help us to find it true true, as we continue to live for you. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple ways to respond today. You guys can stand and we'll sing with the the team here. And, And so... As we do that, you guys can respond in a couple ways. There's a communion table over to the side, and if God leads, you come over and take communion and remember what Jesus did for you. Another way you can respond is by giving back. There's some offering bins in the back, and you can uh, give back a portion of what God's given to you, and so you can respond in that way. Or maybe you just have a prayer request or a praise. You want to stick in those, and you can respond in that way. Uh, you guys stand and you respond how God leads.